church with children present. Um, and and I say this a lot, and, and I tell the parents this, mothers and fathers this, grandparents, whoever's with the child. Um, if we be honest, and let's be honest, if kids are crying in church and screaming out, it is a distraction. There's no use to sit there and act like it's not. But it honestly does not bother me. Uh, it really doesn't. I would 10,000 times rather your child you bring your child, you come on and bring your child to be a distraction, then use that excuse to stay home. We'll deal, we'll deal with the crying and, and the crying out. It ain't that big a deal. Uh, it really isn't. The, the ones that bothers me is the ones that are my age and cry out like little kids. That's the ones that bother me. Uh, that, that gets under my skin. Um, all right, I'm kind of torn here a little bit this morning. Uh, I don't want to take a lot of time, but there are some things that I want to cover. And let me say, um, I guess if you can't get it, just don't worry about it. I don't know, but uh, in getting started, um, if there's ever a time that the definition of a family and a home is under attack, uh, we're under it more than what you realized. Uh, I didn't know some things. On the way back yesterday, uh, where we go, it's about an eight-hour drive. Uh, that's if everything goes right. Um, Thankfully, you know, everything did for the most part with us. It was kind of funny. I just chuckled about it. Uh, this one I'm getting ready to tell you. We got in the car this morning. I said, well, we taking the church. I said, we'll take the car. I got in the car and turned, started, and it halfway started and quit. And I cranked and cranked and cranked. I said, we're taking the truck. Everybody bail out of the car and get in the truck. So pray that our car starts. When we, I don't know if it just, if it's because it's mad at us because we didn't for a week. I don't know. But anyway, um, so easily so many things can happen in life. And we don't realize it. Thank you, brother. And um, but on the way back yesterday, she was reading a book uh, written by James Dobson. Think what you want of him. Uh, I'm not promoting him or downing him. I'm just saying he wrote good family stuff. And in this book, the book is called "Breaking Up Boys." He wrote it in 2001. And in that book, in the country of Sweden, the women were protesting. And I'm not trying to be vulgar. I'm just simply trying to make a point. And I'm going somewhere with all this. But they were protesting. Uh, the boys having urinals in the bathrooms. They felt like that it was a disgrace to a woman that a man didn't have to sit down to go to the bathroom like a woman does. was not equal. Explain to me how an anatomy of a human being that we're supposed to be equal. Uh, that's not been equal. That's been stupid. Uh, maybe that was the wrong choice of words. But... The point is, folks, is there's, we're losing the definition of what a mother and a father and a family is. Let me read a couple things to you in getting started. Then we're going to turn to the Bible. Don't, don't worry, we're using the Bible. If you haven't heard this yet in the last couple of years, and by the way, our current presidential administration is pushing this, just so you know that. Uh, they're doing away with the term mother and father. There's a new term out called birth mother or birthing parent. You know why that's so? It's because of a new fad called, called transgender. The National Education Association recently proposed a resolution that would strip the word mother from contracts and replace it with the term birthing parent instead. 
The country's largest labor union claims this is an effort to be more inclusive and considerate of the LGBTQIA plus community. July 9th, 2022. Uh, later that year, this is cut in the middle of an article, a brand new labor and delivery hospital opened on the well-to-do Upper East Side of New York City named the Alexandra Cohen Hospital for Women and Newborns. Might strike most people as innocuous or straightforward, but to some people, the suggestion that a hospital where babies are born is for women is offensive because transgender non-binary people who do not identify as women can also get pregnant and deliver babies. Whatever side of the fence you are on this argument, whether you want to admit it or not, God wrote the Bible a couple thousand years ago and he's not going to rewrite it. Amen. Do you know that Peter recently wrote a Bible with artificial intelligence to where the animals are not like they are in our Bible? The animals don't die in their Bible. The point I'm making, church, is this. We can rewrite, we can try to change definitions, we can do anything we want to do, but the fact is... A biological born female was designed to be a mother, God willing, and a biological born male was designed to be a father and nothing else. And the point I'm making is, if you don't think this is an attack on what the family is, on what a mother or father is, you're, you're missing what is going on. People say, what's wrong with that? There's a lot wrong with it. Uh, we're going to read from two places. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And then Proverbs 31. I'm not going to read it all. I asked somebody else to read this, but I, I changed my mind and I'm going to do the reading. But we're going to preach from Genesis chapter 3. When you find that, that's only three chapters into the front of your Bible. That shouldn't be too hard to find. Uh, then, of course, Proverbs 31 might take a couple moments, but I, I believe most of us can find it. Hold your place in Genesis and turn to Proverbs 31. We're just going to read a couple verses and we're going to read our text and get into the message. Still a few pages turning. Proverbs. People there. Still here a few pages turning. We got three amens, so we'll give it just a minute. That is correct. Proverbs chapter 31. You got Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Chapter 31 is the last chapter in the book of Proverbs. By the way, this particular proverb was not written by Solomon. FYI. When it sounds like it. Okay, we'll just stay with this. All right, verse 10. The Bible says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doeth safely trust in her so that she shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. All right, verse 15. She rises also wide as yet night and giveth meat 
to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth the field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hand. She planteth a vineyard. I'm going to stop there. Verse 23, let me back up. Her husband is known the gates when he saideth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. You know why her husband is known in the land and the gates? When the Bible talks about gates like this, it's speaking of a highly public area. It's because of her. It's because of her reputation. It's because of the way she honors him. The way that she honors her children. The way she has raised her children. The things she has done. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3 verse 20. We're going to read a couple places here. With God's help. I'm going to try to deliver some thoughts. Genesis chapter 3 verse 20. This is still in the process of God pronouncing judgment upon Adam and Eve. And the penalty of their sin. And me included, a lot of us like to look at Adam and Eve and say, why did they do that? Well, if you and I had the opportunity, we would have probably done it as well. In fact, I'm quite positive we would have. Now it sounds like this is coming and going, or is it just me? Okay. Verse 20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And to Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. Jump down to chapter 4. Verse 1, and Adam knew wife, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Jump down to verse 16. I know we're jumping around. I will bring it together. For time, I'm not reading two whole chapters. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, on the east of Eden, one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Now, for those of you that may not be completely familiar with this story, although I say most are, this is arguably one of the most well-known stories. Abel and Cain brought forth sacrifice to the Lord. Cain brought forth of the ground what the ground uh, grew. Uh, Abel brought forth uh, a lamb and, and sacrificed it. It's debate on why Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted. Uh, I'm going to stick with what most say. I think it was because it was the blood. Cain wanted to sacrifice what Cain wanted to sacrifice, not what God commanded him to sacrifice. Whether you want to accept this or not, God's God and he makes the rules. <laughs> and it's just that simple. You can follow him or you can fight against him. And if you fight against him, you will suffer. He made these rules for you and I, for our benefit. So, so God uh, told Cain, he cast him out, and Cain left. God put a mark on him, so if anybody killed him because of what he had done, then he'd be avenged. So we know that there had to be more people on the face of the earth at this time because Cain was worried about somebody else killing him. Right? So Adam and Eve have more kids than what's listed in the Word of God. Contraception hadn't been invented. Verse 25 in chapter 4, and Adam knew his wife again, and she buried his son, and called his name Seth. For God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. That's also one of the saddest verses in the word of God. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. 
Then begin men to call upon the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you again for this time together, for this day that you have given us. Thank you, God, for a day that has been set aside for Mother's Day. And God, as amazing as it is, as far as we know, history teaches us it was started in West Virginia. God, I thank you that you put it in the heart of someone to start this holiday. Um, I don't know why, but God, you did. And I'm thankful for it. And I'm thankful for the mothers that are here today and for all throughout this land. And God, I pray that you give me the words needed for this time. God, I need you to preach through me. Help me to be quick to the point and preach exactly what you want me to give. I, Lord, I ask that you give me anointing and power and touch hearts as needed. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Now, uh, again, I know I jumped around there a little bit, but uh, I want to uh, try to, as we get started, is to bring this together somewhat and help make some sense of it. Now, today's title, if you want a title of today's message, it just simply would be Mom's Example. And we need some moms to give us some examples. As I've already said, a definition of a mom and a lady is under severe attack. Uh, this new idea that you were born the wrong sex is not accurate. Uh, you were born the way you were intended to be born. I don't care what you title, I don't care what surgeries you got, you will still be a biological male or a biological female. Nothing is going to change that. Your brain in the womb is decided what you are. Do you understand in the womb when you are being uh, developed that the men's brain is zapped, we have brain damage, and all the women say? And therefore, we don't have as much, much connective tissue connecting our left lobe and our right lobe of our brain, so we are not in touch with our emotions and our things like women are. So I don't care what you try to change, what you try to do, you will still be male or female. I told Amber, I said, I can't just get up and preach a message to mothers anymore. i got to define what a woman and a mother is. Anyway, let me try to get into this. I need to, I need to get off this and keep moving. But it's sad anymore that our society, and not just our society, but folks, this is worldwide. That little story I told you a little bit ago about the bathrooms in the schools, by the way, that was 13-year-old kids. Yeah, this is in school in Sweden. This book was written in 2001. This is not a new thing, folks. It's been coming on for a while. And there's, there's an attack on what a mother and a lady should be. If a woman, let me go ahead and throw this out there. Don't get mad at me. But women, you, we should not have to check our eyes to see if you're covered up or not. Don't blame. Uh, now, I'm not saying it makes it okay for men to stare at a woman, but don't, don't put it out there. I, one thing I don't like about, I don't usually give her me amens on this, but I don't care. That's one thing I don't like about summertime is because men and women go around half nude. Dress modestly. You shouldn't have, I, I better move on. I'm going to lose you before I get started. We need to teach young ladies and young girls and women need to be an example of what a modest, virtuous woman should be. And it's sad anymore that to be a mom is not enough of a title. Our society is, is bombarding women that you need a career. You need to make something of your life. And it's almost shame to be a mother or a mom, especially a stay-at-home mom. All have their challenges. Some women have no choice. I'm not knocking that. I'm not, I'm not dogging that. 
but I'm simply saying our society has created a situation where we have put both in the workforce and now our whole lives is in a mess. Uh, in, in World War II, uh, you may not realize this, but the women had to enter the workforce because all the men had gone off the war. Folks, there was a design that started then it's still going on today and our homes have suffered the price and paid the price and our kids are paying the price today for that. Women are told you need a career. The greatest career investment you ever make is in your children. It's not enough anymore to have that. I was told this. I was going to ask my Aunt Janet, and I forgot to this morning. Mom may know. I don't know. But a lady that lives out our direction, I was told she would drag her kid, pull her kids in a wagon up a hill in Dory Roberts, I was told. She pulled her kids up an old dirt road, the back side of a mountain, from the bottom of the holler to the top of the mountain in a wagon to take them to church about five miles. By the way, a lot of them rebel, but as far as I know, all of them are in church today. Mothers? How about that for an example? The greatest thing you'll ever teach your kids is about God. Let me get into the message. So, Adam ate, ate of the fruit, whatever it was, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They were cursed. And in childbirth, God said that she would suffer. I believe until this point, childbirth was not going to be a suffering thing. It became that because of our sins. So the things happened here. Adam and Eve had children. Uh, she, she named, the Bible names this one in verse 1. It says, she was the mother of all living and she's an example. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and conceived in Barakana and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She was thankful for this. And again, she bare his brother Abel. Some say they were twins. I don't know if they were or not. We don't know and I'm not going to speculate and I'm not trying to put in the Bible what's not here and take away what's not here. I'm going to preach to you what I believe the Bible tells us. Some say that Abel, she saw the pain and suffering of childbirth. I don't know, but for one of the reasons, here she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She was thankful to God that she bared a son, and yet Cain went out and killed Abel. Now she knows the pain of bearing a son. And I think one of the greatest pains that a mother can ever grow, go through is when her child dies. She went through the jaws of death to deliver this child. A mother has a bond with the child that men, whether you like it or not, we are not going to have. It's that's it. But we weren't designed to have that. The mother was. Thank God for godly mothers who loved their kids. I loved your testimony. You prayed not to embarrass or bring unwanted attention, but your boys are in church. And as long as there's breath in them, keep praying. So, there's some things that happened. So again, we see that Cain was kicked out. Not only did Eve lose Abel, she lost Cain. She lost both of her boys in one fatal swoop because, yes, Cain was alive, but he was gone out of the land. In other words, she's saying, Cain, I don't know if I'll ever see you again or not. You think that didn't break her heart? Think that didn't hurt her? Sure it did. I'd say she had mixed feelings I'd say one part of her said Cain I love you, you're my son I gave birth to you, I thanked God for you and you killed my other son and now I've lost you because of your act notice verse 25 and Adam knew his wife again and she bare a son and called his name Seth 
Notice this, for God, said she, at the point of me, another seed instead of Abel whom Cain slew. So number one, women, she didn't blame God. And don't you either. When things didn't go right, when she suffered like she should not have suffered, you say, well, she sinned, and they paid for it, and you and I paid for it, and it's because of that sin that this happened. She suffered deeply, but she didn't blame God. She didn't say, God, why did you allow this to happen? I've seen a T-shirt and a bumper sticker many times, and it says, a little kid writing a note to God, why do you allow such violence and stuff in school? He said, because I'm not allowed in school. Day. She didn't say, God, why did you allow us to happen? Why did you let Cain be born this way? She kept her faith. She kept thanking God. She kept being an example to her other children. Hey, you don't blame God. You keep your faith in God. You trust in God. Mothers, don't blame God when things go wrong. Keep the faith in God and be an example to your children that above all, you are going to love God. You trust in Him. Number two, moving right along. She didn't blame Adam. From what I can read in the Bible, she stayed true to Adam. Just like back in Proverbs 31, we just read that, that the, the husband is well respected. He's well known. Why? Because his wife who is beside of him is, is conducting herself properly. She is a virtuous woman. She dresses modestly when it's not popular to uh, she honors him. Ladies, let me go and preach to you for just a minute. Man, I'm going to preach to you just a minute too. Do not ever try to down or embarrass your husband in front of people. Amen. And men, you respect her above all. You honor her. You treat her like gold because she is to you. If she, and if the more you treat her like gold, the more she'll treat you like gold. It doesn't work one-sided. It takes both. But she didn't blame Adam. She didn't look at Adam and say, why did you allow this? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you stop this? Why, 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 why? She stayed true to Adam. She's in a godly example of what a mom's example should be. We don't have very many examples of a godly mother anymore. How about some of you decide you're going to be a godly example to anybody that's watching you because trust me, they're watching you. There's people in this church that's watching you trying to decide if you're, what kind of godly mother you are. And by the way, we are all seeing what kind of godly mothers you are. And we got visitors here today. And God help every one of you. I'm trying to. And let me say this. If you've never known Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is the first place you need to start today in giving your gods a gift from God that nothing else can give and no one else can give them. You're the only one that can do it. God put you in charge. God blessed you with the child. God saw fit to give you a child. And you need to raise that kid in the fear and honor of God. And it starts with being saved. And all this nonsense that's going around in our country and society today suddenly will start making some sense to you and you'll see it as nonsense and confusion. Folks, we're confused. People says we're ignorant. Yeah, I'm ignorant of the, of the ways of the world. Thank God. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you point number three. I'm going to preach this for a few minutes past that one. We've got a lot going on. Do you know, I'm, I'm excited about this. Some of you may know, we got a baptism today of a mother and a daughter. Yeah. Amen. Now, number three, and I want you to listen to this one, brothers. This is where it's hard for me to stay behind this pulpit and not walk down there. 
she didn't blame herself. She didn't blame God. She didn't blame Adam. And I don't read where she blamed herself. Notice where she laid the blame. Let's back up to verse 2. If she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Okay, let's go back down to verse 25. Sorry if you're having to turn your Bibles back and forth. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said she hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. She put the sin right where it belonged, on Cain. Now, pay attention best you can just for a few minutes. I hope I'm making sense and giving you something here. Eve realized sins had been committed, mistakes had been made, things had happened, but she also knew and realized, mothers, if you do your best to teach your kids about Jesus, you bring them to church, you raise them in church, you pray, you have a praying home, a godly home. By the way, just because two Christian people live in a home doesn't make it a Christian home. She's done her best, and sometimes mothers can do their best, and I don't care what you do, the kids won't turn out the same. I'm pretty sure Adam and Eve were two of the best parents that's ever walked the face of the earth, and these two definitely did not turn out the same. Same parents. Same time frame. They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have Facebook. Praise God for all of that. They didn't, they didn't have movies. They didn't have all this stuff to entertain them. They had a garden out back and a lamb out front. And that's about what they had. And But she kept the faith. She knew where the blame was. And it was in the sin. It was in the seed of sin that caused this act to take place. Mothers, quit beating yourself up and expecting you to do something that God did not expect you to do. If you, you as mothers, have taught your children the best you can about Jesus and about prayer and about faith and been an example, not, not just words, that gets cheap after a while. They need to see something from you. I'm going to tell you a couple stories. When I was a teenager, I've rarely ever went back to this point in conversation. My parents may or may not remember it. I don't know. I was blessed to be raised in a good godly Christian home. I had godly grandparents uh, for the most part. My grandfather, not so much. My grandmothers, both of them were godly ladies. One uh, was probably raised better, so it didn't make a big difference. When I was a rebellious teenager, about 18, 19, I don't remember exactly how old I was, I might have been 20, we were sitting at the house one evening and I was throwing a teenage fit on my parents and they were trying to talk to me and I said some things that should have never come out of my mouth, especially my parents' home. My dad got up out of his chair and he was coming over to me and I don't know what he was going to do, but I'm thankful mom stepped in. But mom grabbed me and... My mom grabbed me and hugged me. She said, Obi, just sit down. And even though I was doing anything at that time but needing love, my mother knew what I needed. She knew what was going to make the difference. And all she did was sit there and hold me and hug me for quite a while. 
To this day, until this moment, I don't know that my mother realizes the difference that made in my life. That moment, that one moment in time, what it done in my heart and in my mind. There's other moments that I could tell you about and share with you. Time won't allow me. How about go back to this lady I mentioned to you when I first started. Pulled her kids in a radio fire wagon, a red wagon. I know I've rode it, rode it on my four-wheeler motorcycle a few times. It was every bit of four or five miles. And folks, it was uphill the whole way. Drug her kids to church in that wagon because her husband would not take her or allow her to use the car. Put them pants on, mothers. How many of you were going that far for your kids this morning? How many of you are willing to go? I know a lot of you sacrifice. I'm not saying that. How many of you are willing to be a godly sacrifice in front of your kids? Do they have some things that they can put their claws into and say, I remember a time mom showed me faith? Thank God for godly mothers who give us some examples. And I appreciate the testimonies of every one of you and other testimonies I've heard some of you give you didn't get this morning and the example that I've heard some of you be. But how about this morning, moms? Do kids, do your kids see God in you? Not just lip service. That's useless. You know one thing I have discovered? My son's 13, my daughter's 5. Recently I've discovered my son is taking on, sorry mom, some of my mother's attitude. <laughs> all she can do is say amen. And that's all I can do too. I've noticed the way he comes across, I'm thinking, Drew, you sound so sharp. And then I look and I say, you no wonder. It's what he's been taught. You see, I can talk to him all day. My wife can talk to him all day. I see the good of my son from my wife and I see the bad in my son from my wife and my little girl. I see it both. Let me tell you, if you're not teaching damn church is important by being here, you're wasting your breath telling them that it is. By the way, fathers, it's up to you to set the standard to see to it we're coming to church and serving God in your home. That'll preach a little while too. Moms, you set the standard in the home in more ways than you realize. The kids are looking to you for some assurance, for some hope, and I'm going to tell you the thing that's greatest. I don't care if you can't hear me. I'm coming down here with you. I've said this many times. And I'm going to say it again. I read a thing just the other day. That modern medicine and science tells us that the thing you need the most is to live. is bread, water, and shelter. You know Jesus is all of those things and more than I've said to you, you've heard me say this. You're getting old seeing obviously, man, I remember. <laughs> I gotta look at somebody. <laughs> the greatest need man has is love. Yes. Right. I can give everybody in here everything materially. 
You're failing Him. And you're failing God. Amen. Men, that goes for us too. Amen. Don't worry, ladies. Father's Day's coming up. Drag yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right here. I'm trying to help you this 
for example. Eve was that kind of example. I read the Bible. She didn't blame God. She continued to thank God and call upon his name. She didn't blame Adam. She didn't blame herself. She said, Cain did this. Cain did this. If your kids have went haywire, you've done your best, all you can do is pray for them and love them and pray that God gets a hold of their heart. Yes. Quit beating yourself up because Satan definitely will. Never even take a heart. He don't like you anyway. If you're any kind of mother at all, he hates your guts. Especially if you're a Christian. need to give, Lord. I, I, I tried in a short amount of time, God. I, there's so much that needs to be preached and said about moms today. I probably ought to take, God, sometimes I feel like I need to spend two months and preach just on the home. Most of all, Jesus, if there's anyone here, no matter who they are, what age they are, if they don't know without a doubt, if they died right now, they go to heaven. Lord, I'm asking you to please touch her heart. Jesus, you died for that. You gave us your life on the cross. You died on the cross of Calvary and rose again the third day in our place so we could be saved and go home one day to be with you. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, thank you, Lord, for saving me. And I pray this morning that God of first any reason any of these mothers need to come and pray that you lead them to this altar. Maybe they've got a child that needs prayed for. Maybe they've got a grandchild that needs prayed for. Maybe there's somebody in their life, God, that needs prayed for. Maybe they need to pray themselves. God, I pray that you fill this altar this morning with mothers, with thankfulness in their hearts for you and prayer for their children. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' your name we pray. Amen. Whatever your need is this morning, most of all, if you need salvation, if you don't know for sure that if you died right now, that you would go to heaven, let me encourage you to come to this altar and make things right with God. Let me encourage you, as, as some people are coming to the altar, let me encourage you now to slip out of your seat. You won't be the only one. There's already people here and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. You say, well, I don't know how to be. You come to this altar, I'll take this Bible and pray with you, and I'll show you from the Bible, exactly what you need to know. I'm going to tell you how easy it is. It's simple as A, B, C. A, acknowledge and accept the fact that we've all sinned against a holy and a just God. B, believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And C, confession is made into salvation. It's that simple and easy to be saved. Jesus did the hard part. It's up to you to do the rest. As we sing.